0: Good morning, good to see you all. So, we are continuing uh, with the Diamond Sutra book study. We are on uh, chapter 23. And uh, as a reminder, this is a a long discussion, uh, Dokusan, a long Dokusan between uh, Subhuti and the Buddha. And uh, Subhuti comes to the discussion. Uh, with the Buddha from uh, being an arhat, from being attached to nothing. And uh, little by little, uh, the Buddha dissolves or helps him dissolve that attachment by shedding light on the fact that since there is nothing there as something, or since something is essentially nothing, then what are we trying to negate? What are we trying to fight? What are we trying to let go of if there is nothing there to begin with? All right, so so the the letting go itself is actually based on, on a fallacy. And this also can be applied to the way we, we work with what we call the ego. Often uh, it is common to get caught up in thinking that We need to eradicate something, we need to uh, fight something, and as long as there is such a notion, we actually fixate or, or substantiate something, and it becomes a thing. We may call it ego or something else, but it becomes a thing, and it's very important to recognize or realize that, again, since there is nothing there to begin with, how can we eradicate it? The sense of eradication itself validates somethingness. Right? So we have to uh, learn from that, from this discussion, and then apply it to our own hindrances, our own uh, emotional, psychological knots. How do we meet them? How much of it is actually substantiated by the way we deal with it on a daily basis? So. The Diamond Sutra is very relevant and uh, very fitting to all of us. So, chapter 23. Furthermore, Subhuti, undifferentiated is this Dharma in which nothing is differentiated. Thus it is called unexcelled perfect enlightenment. Without a self, without a being, without a life, without a soul, Undifferentiated is this unexcelled perfect enlightenment by means of which all auspicious dharmas are realized. And how so? Auspicious dharmas, Subhuti, auspicious dharmas are spoken of by the Tathagata as no dharmas. Thus they are called auspicious dharmas. It's a fairly short chapter. So... Bill Porter explains that in the previous chapter, the Buddha says the Dharma that cannot be realized is what he means by unexcelled perfect enlightenment, which is Anuttala Samyak Sambodhi. Here he explains that unexcelled perfect enlightenment cannot be realized because it possesses no features, no qualities, no aspects, nothing that can be differentiated. Nor is there within it something greater, No greater self, no greater being, no greater life, no greater soul. It is, instead, the great leveler. The great leveler. And Maizumi Rosh used to say that the purpose of practice is to make the uneven even. This is what we are doing. This is what we are practicing. To make the uneven even. And then he says, and yet... It is precisely because it contains nothing that can be differentiated that it is the source of all auspicious dharmas, which are those dharmas used in the work of liberation and which are the focus of the second half of this sutra. And yet they are only auspicious because they contain nothing. There are no dharmas. The Buddha also calls such dharmas Buddha Dharma. And the point here is that as long as we are attached to an idea or the idea of fixed reference points or standards, we cannot experience any long-lasting sense of freedom or contentment. This is why it is said that to have no reference point is to attain realization. To have no reference point. So, nothing is fixed means just that, nothing is fixed. While nothing is fixed, we are attached to fixation or we are uh, we can say we are addicted to fixation. So we fixate on something, we fixate on nothing. The point in that is that the grasping hand wants to grasp, regardless of what it is that we are grasping onto. So it's a very important point for us. <clears> Tik <throat> Natan says, Now we come to the nature of equality. Equality means neither this nor that. Neither liberating nor being liberated. Neither I nor others. Neither many nor few. Neither high nor low. All subjects of mind are equal and share the same nature of interbeing. Interbeing or interdependent origination, this is how Thich Nhat Hanh use or speaks of interdependent origination. The highest, most fulfilled awakened mind cannot exist independently of what is not the highest, most fulfilled awakened mind. Everything is everything at once. There is no teapot that exists independently of non-teapot elements clouds are oceans oceans are clouds clouds do not exist independently of oceans and vice versa because all objects of mind are neither high nor low this is called the highest most fulfilled awakened mind in our thoughts the moon may be full or new bright or dim present or not present but the moon itself has none of those characteristics The moon is just the moon. All objects of the mind are equal. Now we can add to that, obviously, that from the point, from our perspective, from our point of view, or from where we happen to be standing, the moon does grow or diminish, right, to our eyes, to the way we see it. And the moon is uh, obviously a depiction of realization, right? But, But in actuality, our view is limited, but the fact that it is limited doesn't mean that we are limited or that the view itself is limited essentially. The moon is just the moon, all objects of the mind are equal. Wineng says if one Dharma remains in the mind, feelings give birth to superior and inferior. When we cultivate with a pure mind How could auspicious dharmas be exhausted? Thus follows a chapter on cultivating what is auspicious with a pure mind. And again, another paragraph by Bill Porter. In the previous chapter, the Buddha says that he did not find even an atom in the dharma of enlightenment. Here, he tells us that the reason he found nothing was because such a dharma contains Nothing. Not what's really important to understand is the way we use the way we understand nothing. Nothing for us stands on the other side of something, and this is that one of the things we have to uh, we have to merge. We have to understand that nothing does not stand in opposition to something. Nothing contains something, but nothing does not depend on something. It contains it, it allows it, but it's not dependent on arising or vanishing somethingness, whether it's in the mind or external. And he says, in describing what is imperceptible and ungraspable, the the Buddha uses the Sanskrit samma, undifferentiated Normally, Sama means even or level, as in level ground. Here, however, it refers to the absence of anything that can be separated from or distinguished in the Dharma body of enlightenment. So, this Dharma is equal, no high, no low. How do we understand that? What does that mean for us in everyday life? In the way we think, what we meet, how we, uh, how we deal with what we meet, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about uh, the world around us. What does that mean? This Dharma is equal. No high, and no low. No you, no I. Who wants to go first? How about you today?
1: Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm um, thinking about, you know, the teaching being no high, no low, um, just sort of think about it from the perspective of the teacher I often find that um, you, you know especially and in, in, uh, students want sort of easy answers to complex situations so when they learn something they sometimes go oh great I found I have this answer and now whenever X happens I can just do Y and inevitably what happens is a few years out of school somebody will come back and say oh I did, I did Y and, and it didn't work that time. And then you start to talk to them and you find out that X was no longer X anymore. And, uh, and the situation was actually an entirely different. They had sort of put their own mind onto the situation and, uh, and, uh, wanted to see something in it that was, was not really what was there. And, uh, so it's always, it's always fascinating to think about how receptive we have to be and of course what's exciting is that's part of the le- learning process too is to is to start out and see things work in simple situations and move to the complex you know move from the gross to the subtle and, and begin to see those nuances and experience them and you know, that's what at least what comes to mind for me
0: so you say to be receptive to what
1: well you know, there's, I, I think we walk around, you know, all of us, uh, and, and me, especially sometimes we walk around and we see what we want onto the world. But in fact, you know, it's once again, it's like the moon is the moon, you know, like, you know, you have to look past the fact that, you know, it's like, oh, the, you know, the moon is dark right now, the moon must always be dark, you know, and not realize that you have to go experience it again and again, night after night, and then you begin to see the subtle patterns. You might, you might notice that it wobbles a little, you know, as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. It's that, uh, attention.
0: Yeah. So to be receptive to not knowing, right? So the eye, the eye has its, its limitation. Right, but in, in, in the way we use in the way we use it, but it doesn't mean that there is a limitation. The eye is limited, it can see what it can see, right? From where we stand. But that does not mean that things are essentially uh, limited to what the eye sees, right? So to be open to to be open to not knowing, to be open to having no ground to stand on, to be to be open to, to, to the simple fact that that nothing is essentially substantiated, right? There's nothing upon which to rely, right? So, so as, as, as we, you know, you've heard before, the, the bad news is that we are falling, free falling. The good news is there's no ground, right? And, and, and the problem with falling is not falling. The problem with falling is the impact or, or the, 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 but if there, is no, if there are no parameters, what is the impact? The impact has to do with, with an idea of parameter, the idea of, of a ground that is firm. But if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. Or there's nothing here, we should say. That's probably better. There's nothing here. That, that's the scary uh, uh, barrier that we, we need to go through and it's important that we, we we understand that, that we have to go through that imagined barrier. It is a barrier because we imagine it to be that and the imagination is so strong that it makes it so. So the thought of makes it so. And and that's... So, so to be receptive, I think it's a good point, you're right. To be receptive to that, essentially... W- and then to go study, right? So then, yes, there is a teacher, and that that uh, essentially that's what makes it all upaya, right? There's nothing there, but there's a lot of upayas we can say. Yeah. And then we are free to 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 work with upaya rather than uh, be abused by or you or use upaya which often can happen, obviously. But yeah, thank you, it's good. Mm -hmm. Daiba, you wanna say something today?
2: Hi everyone, can everyone hear me?
3: Yeah. Right.
2: right. So earlier, we've been talking about dharmas for a while now in the Diamond Sutra, and um, So, Bill Porter says, thus in teaching the Dharma, there was nothing Buddha could teach. All he did was protect beings from misconceptions by teaching them not to give birth to views and to get rid of their attachments. Students students should realize this is all that he did. So, what comes to mind to me is that when we look at the unevenness of things, unevenness of our lives. Um, it, it really, that unevenness is created by us. Um, in the sense that all dharmas are necessarily equal, uh, equal in the sense that they have no fixed position, Mm -hmm. that they're constantly in the state of flux, um, in a nexus of cause and effect of which we are part also. So when we talk about things being uneven it's because I think we attach certain preconceived notions to them that may not be there, that may be coming from, you know, deep inside our own experiences and deep inside our own lives. So similar to the story that Tyru just gave about his student trying to take a uh, a fixed solution to a problem and then applying it um, at a later date when the problem wasn't the same, Um, I see myself, I know I do that all the time and it's one of those things that, um, I constantly try through my practice to, um, you know, be aware of, to recognize. Um, so that's what comes to mind to me in this concept of unevenness in our lives.
0: So unevenness, so we can say, uh, truthfully, right, that, uh, Reza is taller than me, Right. That will yeah. be correct, right? So saying that, stating a fact, right, which is a fact, is that is that an issue or, or how does that become an issue? Well, it, is, it can, you know, high and low do, do become an issue. How does something like that, high and low, factual high and low, become an issue? And where is the evenness in high versus low?
2: Well, it becomes an issue if I think I'm too short, right? And I wish I was taller, then it becomes an issue. It's not an issue. If I look at Raison, I'm like, oh, look at how tall he is. That's awesome. Right. Or Mm -hmm. look at how tall he is. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, then it's not an issue. It it only becomes an issue if it's something that I feel in my own mind diminishes me
0: or exalts me.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. It goes both ways.
0: Right. So tall is complete in and of itself. Short is complete in and of itself. Right. So any, any level, any, so we, we look at a, at, a, at, a, at a ladder, for example, right? Any, any rung on that ladder is in and of itself complete is in and of itself wood. If it's a wood happens to be a wooden ladder, right? It's not better wood up there than down there, down below it's not a better quality wood right as we may think it's wood it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter because there is nothing at the beginning there's nothing in the middle and there's nothing at the end right so right. if we
2: well, uh, well, think of yeah. the using that analogy think of of think of climbing up the ladder to, to clean out your gutters right mm-hmm so you're you put the ladder up you have a goal you're going to climb the ladder and and so you you put your foot on the first rung and then you climb all the way up and you don't think about it and you get to the top and then you start doing what you're doing mm-hmm. but every one of those rungs in and of itself could be a complete well is a complete experience yeah if we pay attention if we notice that
0: yeah so that, yeah that's you yeah, just that, described so you just described the the way we need to see kinhin right Right. that's exactly our practice in kinhin we're not going anywhere we're never going anywhere we're never arriving anywhere right which means every step every every uh, second you put your foot down that is where you're going to that is the point there's no other point later than that this is it right and and this itness contains the before and after If it contains the before and after, when are you not at home?
2: When are you not even?
0: When are you not even, exactly. The before and after are not an issue because they are contained. Right? So when one corner is realized, the other three corners are are understood, right? Immediately are seen. They're realized with the one corner. The other three are realized so yeah thank you okay so we can move on but maybe a couple more expressions. How about Sogan
4: morning everyone um, yeah I guess I uh, what comes up for me is is the point about nothing as, as you mentioned that I guess that is uh, kind of a, an obstacle for for me mm-hmm. um, the idea of, of nothing and uh, how it how it functions how it works within the context of the Buddha Dharma mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's difficult for me to wrap my mind around uh, you know other than just as a pure abstract concept. Um, uh, so, and I, and I, I do have some sort of aversion to the idea of, of nothing, because it's just, I just see it as a void or vacuity or, or, or nothingness. So it, it, to my mind, it starts to, to, um, it has associations with kind of nihilism. Right. Of course. You know, I, I, I'm probably unjustified in this context, but But it's hard for me to uh, release that idea of, you know. So every time they talk about nothing or shunyata, um, this has always been kind of an issue for me from the very beginning, from the earliest time I encountered uh, Buddhism and the teaching of emptiness or shunyata. I was just like, what is that? (laughs) what could that possibly mean um right so i don't know i mean that's what comes up for me
0: right and it's a very natural uh feeling right because because there is a threat there is a threat right there is right. a threat to to so, so when we encounter teachings of uh, shunyata or nothingness th- this is this is perceived as a threat to me because i am a thing i see myself as a thing and I see myself as right. a thing, a part of other things, right? So, right. right, there are many things out there, many people out there, right? And I am one of many, right? So I see myself separated from. So, and, and this is actually inviting us to, uh, to, to interconnectedness, right? To enter interconnectedness, but th- the, we see interconnectedness as a threat, to me. Because it is a threat to right. a concept, it's true. It is threatening the concept. But as long as we are attached to, we hold on to that concept of me and you as two, only as two, we should say, right? then I'm not then then my world shrinks down to 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 that, right to the gap between you and I, right? That's it. And there is a very firm yeah. gap. But again, you know nothingness, this is not referring to when we have to hear it again and again. That, that nothingness is not void, right? It, it is it is specifically referring to nothing fixed. There is nothing mm-hmm. fixed, right? So we should understand how to read that, right? You know, it's definitely not void. It's definitely not, not uh, devoid of context, right? So our, our everyday life, moment by moment, right? You know, we, we do move from one experience experience to another we move from things we, we we gradually go towards a thing right so we study something so there are stages to that study right and then at the end of that study a combination of that study there may be a, some kind of an end result right so yes so we we live within that but then again what happens if we what happens if, if that's all we see right so the, if, if that's all we see or that's all we experience there is never uh, uh, a long or, or sense of contentment, right? Or lasting sense of contentment, because there's always the question of what's next. There's always the question of, am I enough? Or is this enough? And, and the answer is, is, is no, it's never enough. So what happens is that we, we, we spend an entire lifetime thinking that there is something else or, some, or something better. Right, but as as right. uh, Segyoku's dad told us, this is the best there is.
4: Do you remember? <laughs> All right, All right. So, I guess I I I can accept the idea of 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 interconnectedness or interbeing as as uh, uh, Tishan Han puts it. Uh, that's still an easier concept, but I guess framing it as nothing uh, becomes a little. For me, is is a little challenging
0: because we cannot digest it in the sto- with the stomach that we uh, use to digest everyday stuff. Right? right? We cannot digest it. That's very true right. because there's no place for that. There's no place yeah. for nothing in our lives, which is sad. Because if there was a place for nothing in our lives, our lives would look completely different. There's no space between the particles. That's why we are so rigid. We're so frozen because there's no space. We are really rigid and uptight. And if you bring some space to those particles, then air, basically, right? Then we can take a deep breath. Not just literally, but it changes everything. So we are. We have to. We have to recognize that we are very uptight beings. Because we take ourselves so seriously. Right.
4: Thank you. So, anyway,
0: that's good. Um, so I want to read another uh, short paragraph by uh, Moo Song before we move on. <clears throat> this is from another uh, book on this sutra. Musong says, this section is a continuation of the discussion from the preceding section. Although the Anuttala Samyak Sambodhi is called a Dharma here, it is to be understood that this is a linguistic use only. As an experience, Anuttala Samyak Sambodhi is identical to the absence of all conceptual categories, including Dharmas, Self, Person, being, and a living soul. When all conceptual categories are absent, and when one is not deluded by contrary points of view, this is the realm of wholesome dharmas, and then no parameters, because it is not at odds with anything. This is an important point, right? It's not nothing is at odds with anything. Nothing essentially is at, because nothing stands in opposition. To anything else, because everything is, but in and of itself, complete. If it's complete in and of itself, how can it be? How can there be an issue there? Where is the issue, right? So, if each of us understands that we are complete in and of our, itself, just like that, then this is fine. It may not be pleasant. It may not feel good. But still, that does not make it an issue or doesn't make us separated. So because it is not at odds with anything, but is fully inclusive of everything without distinction, this realm can only be experienced and cannot be conceptualized. We should say that again and again and again. It can only be experienced, cannot be conceptualized. And this is one of the issues. We try to shove it into a concept or to make a concept of it. Or we try to use the conceptual mind or the thinking mind to make to create something of it or to make sense of it we may name it he says but we must remain we must remain cognizant of its limitation as a concept we can talk about it we can name it as long as we understand that those names are provisional are for the time being and essentially there is nothing there Knowing or understanding to, to some extent that there is nothing there gives us the freedom to hold discussions. If we don't understand to some extent that there is nothing there, we are trapped by our own discussions, by our own words. So, it's a good point, good chapter. So, before we move on, Reza, do you want to say a few words? From a philosophy perspective?
5: You have to. I just unmuted you. just unmuted.
0: Good. What did you ask? I asked if you want to say something from a perspective of uh, a Zen philosopher. <laughs>
6: with, with wisdom? No, um, it's just can respond to Raj about um, no thing being two words or even making it plural, no things. So nothingness, mm-hmm. um, with the emphasis on the thing rather than the existential, um, I mean, the danger of nothingness that, that um, uh, Junry you were talking about seems to be more existential, that nothing exists, which is not um, the point of it, the the point of it is the thing
0: part. Um, that's all. So, nothing exists, Is that how do we understand that statement? Nothing exists. Is that is that void, or it can it can be uh, seen as that? But is it void? No. That's what.
6: Nothing. Right. That's nothing why exists.
0: Thing, Here it right? is. Right? Here it is. Because nothing exists. It does exist. It exists as this. This pen. You can use it. That's exactly. You could use it. You can taste it. You can eat it. You can cook it. You can do whatever you want with it. Right? This is nothing exists. The only way nothingness manifests is through somethingness. So nothing exists as something. So that nothing exists is affirmation, not negation. We We hear nothing exists as negation, right? But it's actually affirmation of all things. So when you, so kind of, yeah, go ahead.
6: So one of the critical, I think, moves is around upayo you can use things for upaya. And if you think of nothingness, you might think that you can't use anything, but you can use everything uh, as upaya, but it's only as upaya. It's only as skillful means for the present situation in your present. Um, and it doesn't mean that there's any sort of existence that continues into the next situation. Um, well, more than, more,
0: we more than upaya. More than upaya.
6: is that we, you know, human beings want to keep taking whatever I succeeded with yesterday into tomorrow. Um, right. that, um, this must work cause it worked the last time. Um, and that's where we get into a lot of trouble.
0: Right. So you're saying so we buy out.
6: It, it means that we can use all of these things, but that we're not really using anything in a sense of something permanent and lasting and, uh, tomorrow.
0: Okay, upaya. Upaya also, we have to know how to use that word, right? Because upaya doesn't mean it's just a thing to be used. In this case, because nothing appears as something, something is, gateway, is a gateway to nothing. So I can realize everything is actually potentially a gateway to realization. Because nothing is here. If, if we understand that nothing is here, then that we we, we we cannot dismiss it as this is just upaya because everything essentially is a gateway to that realm of nothing. Well, right? Everything is teaching nothing. Upaya.
5: Upaya. Upa pa pa upaya upaya
0: Say again? Are you singing?
6: Does, does it
0: count? I don't know, we did you want to say something? Yeah, Jeremy.
3: So yeah. as you guys were talking, I'm thinking about this um, sense of Zazen as our gateway, right? And um, how many times that uh, I think likely, I know for me, whenever I'm sitting and and um, Zazen, oftentimes it's really easy to see the times that I'm my own obstacle, right? Like those thoughts are popping in my head and it's very easy to see that. But I think it's also easy to see in those moments in Zazen where I also am the path out of that. And so I think one of the places of nothingness is that for me, like thinking about, like if I am the obstacle and if I am the path, what am I, you know, like, what really is that? So um, that's where I, I find it right now.
0: You're saying if I am the obstacle, are you an obstacle?
3: Well, I'm just saying if if you are the obstacle and if you are the path, which I think you both are, I think you are that. I think you are that at all times. And if if you are both of those things, then what are you really? I mean, the sense of nothingness makes sense because it feels like it enc- encompasses everything.
0: Right, and and we can add to that, as Yunman said, medicine and disease quell each other, right? So you're saying, am I, am I the problem or the solution, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, sometimes I am the problem. Often I am the problem, but then I am the solution too.
3: We just, I think as people, we have this um, uh, deep need for... Uh, Reinforcing our perspective or our sense of borders, um, and uh, you know, it reinforces our story or whatever. I was reading this morning a story from Thich Nhat Hanh about him sitting and watching a leaf. Mm-hmm. It was a heart-shaped leaf on a tree, merely appropriate for today. You know, as we have like a few leaves left on a tree, and in some ways, that leaf was it. Um, was it birthed by the tree, or was it? Uh, the mother of the tree. And uh, I don't think I had really thought of that, but it really, it, in some ways, since it is the carer, it's bringing light to the tree, it is the mother of the tree, yet almost like a limb dropping uh, the leaf, you know, there's like this umbilical cord that exists between the leaf and the tree. Mm-hmm. So it's also being birthed. And it only gets to be a problem when we have to pick. That's, that's where the problem is. You know um so I don't know I, I find that there's something there that relates to what you were saying so I appreciate it
0: thank you it's only a problem when you when we have to pick and choose is that what you said
3: yeah when we you know like the, the only problem is when we have to make that choice between nothing or something right that's what you know that's where we'll get stuck
0: right yes because, because it's only a problem when there is a gap when something stands in opposition to nothing or when or when things stand in opposition to each other right that's yes that's where the, the that's where the issues become an issue so yeah, good thank you all right chapter 24 moreover subuti if a man or woman brought together as many piles of the seven jewels as all the Mount Sumeru's in the billion worlds of the universe and gave them as a gift to the Tathagatas, the Ahans, the fully enlightened ones, and a noble son or daughter grasp, but a single four-line gata of this Dharma teaching of the perfection of wisdom and made it known to others, Subhuti, their body of merit would be greater by more than a hundredfold indeed by an amount beyond comparisons and you remember there was a similar chapter uh, previously um indeed by amount beyond comparison and beyond comparison is a very important word here comparisons um, and bill porter explains that after telling his disciples that bodies are no bodies and dharmas are no dharmas the buddha is he is concerned that those who don't understand the difference among the five eyes might now choose to ignore the cultivation of a body of merit and the cultivation and dissemination of this teaching. Hence, he once again reminds Subuti of the merit that results from understanding and making the mother of Buddhas known to others. What could be more auspicious and yet, at the same time, transcend the limits of auspiciousness? By transcending auspiciousness, it is truly auspicious, right? Again, the emphasis is all on skill and means, so this is Upaya. In, in realizing the realization that is no realization and in teaching the teaching that is no teaching. Only such a realization and such a teaching can be called auspicious. And only a body that results from such realization and teaching is beyond comparisons. And uh Tulin says, although this is the sixth such comparisons brought up, it only it only involves an offering of billions mountains of jewels this is inferior to the first comparison not to mention the second through uh, through the fifth what is the meaning of of the sub- subsequent offering being inferior it is because before a person cultivates beliefs and understanding are difficult once they understand cultivation and realization are easy when something is difficult the comparison should be greater when it is easy, anything will do. Thus the chapter on cultivation are now over. The chapters on cultivation are now over. Still, a comparison can be used to lead others forward. And this is again this is a classic way of using Upaya. Saint Charles says the pile of jewels has its limits. A profound understanding is never exhausted something is always limited to its somethingness nothing is always unlimited but the 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 issue with the the limited limit limitedness or limitlessness uh, has everything to do with not attaching ourselves to parameters right so it's not that there's nothing there to experience or nothing there to see it's just that we we uh, assign parameters To our thoughts and to what we see. Or to other people. When we assign parameters. We are are stuck. Or we are limited by those parameters. And it's not easy to see. Or to realize that. We are actually creating our own limitations. We are convinced. That it is so. We are convinced that this is the way it is. And we cannot go beyond that. And therefore, we try to maneuver, and often we see it in zazen, and all we do is maneuver, go around, explain to ourselves why we feel the way we feel, justified, only to end zazen and then have a very fixed idea about the way we need to function. And all of it is actually based on the way we perceive our thoughts, the way we perceive our experiences. So it's very, very important to to see that in relation to our own practice, because it's very personal. We're not studying anything that is external in terms of experience. We are studying what we're doing Is just so we have a better understanding of how to deal with our own thoughts and emotions, our own experiences. So I'm going to read a little bit more and then uh, open it up. Sheng Yi says to gather as many jewels as the Mount Sumeru and use them as an offering naturally results in great merit but it is an offering by the self and the resulting merit is obtained by the self. This is karmic merit and such merit doesn't last. By reciting we, we gain merit and by upholding we gain wisdom. By using merit to aid wisdom We can see the marvelous reality of the Dharma body. And after we see our nature, if we explain this to others, others will be able to see their Buddha nature. The merit from seeing our nature and becoming a Buddha is everlasting and free of karma. It is inexhaustible and endless. How can the karmic merit from an offering of the seven jewels compare well how can anything compare to that right so the point of if we the point of sharing with others if we practice and have some realization again without comparisons some sense of realization and we share it with other people is there anything greater that can be shared with others what does that do what what kind of a gift is that to the world right bodhidharma said the, the 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 greatest gift you can bestow upon the world is the gift of self which means to let go of parameters when we let go of parameters all all there is is just that gift so our existence right our version of existence of nothingness becomes a mirror to others and it's not that we have to look in a special way or specific way. It has to do with how we move about in life, how we speak to other people, what it is that we we choose to focus on. Where is my attention going? Where is my awareness going? It has a lot to do with discipline, actually. And I'd like to bring that word again and again once in a while to to remind us all that without discipline, it's not going to work. Not that we don't have what it takes. And not that we are essentially not a Buddha. But without a discipline, karma will take over. And then we will justify doing something else. Speaking in a different way and making different decisions. So, any questions, anything to share about that? Thank you, good morning. You seem pensive. Let's check you up.
7: Good morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, listening carefully about, um, we were discussing about nothingness and, and how elusive that concept is. Um, and I think it's because we tried to make it a concept and then, and then that is what's making it elusive. Uh, I was. My my understanding, and I wanted to share that, of what, you know, the um, nothing in, in our dharmas, I mean, the dharma of nothing being no dharma, no dharma, you know, and it's, my understanding has to do with how we get hung up in the worlds themselves. Um, the kind of, our understanding of the world is all based on concepts. We conceptualize what we see because that's how we operate. I mean, that's how our making and uh, and that conceptualization is what is being called non-existent
6: mm-hmm.
7: by by this dharma it's challenging that it's challenging saying say uh, any concept that you have is not true there is nothing there there is no pen when you realize that there is no pen then you can call it the pen and um and what it means is, is that we, we tend to have a very rigid understanding of anything that is tossed to us, you know, and, uh, and any rigid, rigidness of, oh, this is, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. This is uh, I use this for writing, I do this for, and then it's very, it's very easy, and I, I see it in myself many times, it's very easy to don't see how that tool or that whatever is going on that we use in a certain way, it can be used in many, many, many other ways. And it really is not what we think it is. It's just, uh, I mean, like we can use a pen as many things. However, you know, the only thing we see most of the time is just a pen. Mm-hmm. And we use it for writing and that's it. And, uh, and so that, that is what is being challenged in the nothing. And I think, you know, we can up into void, into nothing being uh, a problem. But what it's saying is that there is no concept Mm-hmm. That describes what you 're seeing because ultimately we don 't know what we are we don 't know anything around us we don 't understand fully anything so we can use that limited understanding to operate, mm-hmm. but we shouldn 't be hung up into that limited understanding being something that is um the reality of what we see and uh, and 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 uh, that's how, I mean, I hope it helps. You know, that that is how I, I perceive it. I, I was hearing this and, and, and talking about the whole nothingness and how how we have this wording that was very confusing when I started reading Diamond Sutra, the mm-hmm. whole thing about, um, because this, it is not this, you can call this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's very confusing. But, you know, when you ultimately, you understand that it's talking about two different things. It's talking about, well, I mean, don't, if you attach to the concept, I mean, when you see that there is no con, the concept that you have of this is not real, that the thing that you see is not understandable. It's unfathomable. It's really not something that you can grasp fully. When you understand that, then you can call it whatever you want and use it in whatever you pay uh, it needs or it requires. Um, so I mean that's i guess that's what i wanted to share the most uh when i was listening and um mm-hmm. you know that's a, at least my my CEO, my take on on that thank,
0: thank you. you so uh, going you went back to the pen right but you know the pen to to, to when we understand or experience that the pen is that the whole world is a pen the whole world is a pen then then it may this is the jewel this is the jewel right and you are the jewel because the whole world is you then how how does that change everything right we have to we have to see that we actually stop and think well wait a minute you know i i what am i doing how am i using it how am i living my life
7: that's a good point i mean i i i think you know the the corollary to to understanding nothing is Part of what we chant every, every morning on Sundays, which is, has to do with no gain. Right. You know? um, so Abbalokistivara, Abadhisattva, realized the Prashna Paramita, and he's saying, well, there is no gain. There is no gain, there is no losing, there is nothing that is really being changed by my actions or by whatever it is. And, and so that gives you a lot of freedom and that is a corollary from understanding the nothing. you know. That's why it's a, it's a deep Prashna Paramita that kind of you know it's that is the, the understanding of that the prashna paramita is is basically the perfection of understanding of nothingness, you know, and what it means. And so when you understand that, of course, I mean there is no gain. And when there is no gain, then your actions are different because you are not attached to whatever you're trying to accomplish as something that is. Um, really need it or really, you know, something that is important for you. I mean, you are just, oh, okay, so I'm gonna go up and do the gutter, but it's, it's not necessary that, I mean, like, it's not a problem if that doesn't pan out the way you want it. If the is not really that day, if, if whatever, if you go up there and you don't find any leaves or if, or if you find too many leaves and you cannot do it in one day, all those things that tend to aggravate us are because we are always thinking about the gain and the process as something that we need to accomplish instead of just going up the ladder just to go up the ladder and then seeing what is there and you know understanding that mm-hmm. and see i mean an acting at every second based on what we see and mm-hmm. what is exposed you know and how how suchness expresses itself at that moment um right. that i i, I think it's a, it's a big corollary that understanding of no game um from nothingness. And that, that is why, you know, you know, it's so, 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 attached in this, in this Sutra. Yeah. So at least yeah. So I
0: see. And it's a continuation from the previous chapter, right? That, you know, this alma is equal, no high, no low. Then no high, no low actually help us realize that everything is, is precious. And that naturally leads to the practice of appreciation naturally leads to the practice of appreciation right because if we if we don't appreciate our own being as this precious nothingness then what do we mirror to the world right what do we remind the world right when when we walk around with a sense of lack what do we remind others the same Mm -hmm. when we walk around with a sense of preciousness right With, with, with understanding that everything is essentially precious right then that's what we mirror to the world. That's what we awaken in the world and in others, because we are of the same nature, and that nature has also uh, the ability or propensities to cause harm, to uh, to doubt, right? That oh no, that cannot be. I cannot be it. That cannot be. Not yet. Right, to to self flagellate. So what happens is we we walk around like that, we we harbour such feelings and thoughts, and we remind others, no no, that's no, that's not you're not perfect. You're not complete. Not yet. You still have to do a bunch of things before you arrive at completeness, before you can be called precious. But the most simple the most simple, the most mundane grain of rice is equally it. How can we not be it? It's right? so an even understanding of, of a jewel, because usually a jewel, that's why he said you know this creates more karma, more, more of the same, because there is a self hidden in that. I, I want to gain merit, or I want to go up the ladder, up to the roof. I'm not there, I want to be over there, I don't want to be here, I want to be there right and that that is based on not seeing totality in each particular but each particular is an expression of the same one totality so thank you uh, a couple more paragraphs i want to short paragraphs uh, two different uh, commentators uh chen Jung says, the fifth patriarch once said, if people are blind to their own nature, how can merit help? And the sixth patriarch added, they spend endless ages at sea searching for pearls unaware of the seven jewels within themselves. Right? We reject ourselves. Why do we do that? Why do we reject ourselves? What is that based on? right and and that is definitely deeply karmic we 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 have rejected ourselves in the past and we're just going to keep rejecting ourselves in this life unless we actually stop and take a look unless we take a look stop and take a look and and, and become aware of that innate preciousness if we don't do that karma will prevail Uh, And then the last uh, commentator, Fushi, says, Offering jewels in numbers like grains of of sand only creates the basis for more karma and does not compare to the contemplation of selflessness. The end of delusion is called reality. If you want to realize the forbearance of birthlessness, you need to get free of greed and anger, understand that there is no self, in people all things and wander freely beyond the realm of sensation. Beyond the realm of sensation, right? So we talked a little bit about it last week, right? The the sense of wanting. It's an endless bottom, right? Without, just wanting for the sake of wanting. Never really, truly being satisfied. And that just perpetuates it. And then we go somewhere else. And again, I've I've said it many times. There is nowhere else to go. There is nothing else to do. Why do we reject? And the reasons are very firm. I reject because of this, because of that, because of him, because of her, because of what I heard, because of what I didn't hear. Because they like me or because they don't like me. It never ends. Wherever we go, we're going to find the same mind that essentially is going to say the same things in different versions. So why wait is the question. So, should we move on or any last words on this chapter? Yes. Say Seido, good morning.
8: Good morning. Uh, I was sitting here listening and... uh... I finally feel like I'm starting to understand the idea of the gift is no gift. And I was thinking it's because if I am myself at all times, then I'm not trying to teach or give anyone anyone, anything else. And therefore, uh, I am able to, uh, like teach others to be themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. If I am just myself, then I, right. And, uh, I was just thinking that if I'm not gaining from an interaction, therefore I am able to gain from the interaction because uh, I'm not looking for anything in the interaction. The interaction is just the interaction for itself. Right. And then therefore I'm able to gain from that interaction through not wanting.
0: So you gain, what do you gain? Well, I, what I'm thinking is that, uh, I gained learning more about myself that you could
8: be in a situation and not have a desire to get anything out of it, to be even out of that situation, to just be in that moment, that situation for its own sake. And once you're comfortable with that, you've gained from that experience. And if you can be in that moment long enough and have that, by not teaching other people how to do that, they will see from your example, how to, how to be that way.
0: Yes. I, and I, therefore,
8: I, yeah. teaching your teaching.
0: Right, and I, th- I think the word gain, uh, maybe uh, we can use it in different way we gain an understanding maybe, right? So our, our understanding expands. Um, and I think that's what you, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what you're trying to say, right? We, we gain a, a vantage point, right? Uh, from which we can see a larger perspective and see the totality within the particular, right? But, but, but the thing with that is very important is, is to allow ourselves or to give ourselves permission to be authentic. If I'm not authentic, then I cannot reveal that and and often i'm not authentic because i have good reasons i think to not be authentic or i think things are preventing me to from being authentic whether it's things or other people or circumstances right i am unable to be authentic right now is that true is that true we have to ask we have to stop and ask that is that true because that is a parameter that i'm holding on to and based on my parameters, this is the reason I'm unable to be authentic right now. That's very common, right? And we all have all kinds of different sets of parameters. And and, and, and the title is, why am I not able to be authentic now? Right? That is the title. And then the story varies. But the yeah. title is the same. Mm-hmm. But if But if we can be authentic, then... Us being authentic
8: would inspire others to be authentic, <laughs> very, and there—that's—I yes. was yes. thinking about the idea of the gift of self is no gift, right? Yes. But it, yeah.
0: That's very that's, well, uh, very well put, right? By by being authentic, we are uh, broadcasting that to the world. So we are we are teaching the world that it's okay to be authentic. That whatever whatever reasons you have in your mind right now that you think you're unable to be authentic are not really that firm. Right? Mm-hmm. Although you but, I know you think this right. way, but it's not really that fixed.
8: Yeah. But yeah, but also not trying to teach the world to be authentic. Right? It's just you just are authentic and that in itself is what the broadcast is.
0: Yes. Right? Exactly. Right, you're not, yes, you're not uh, doing it. It, it. It's not, the, the intention is not to do it for the sake of that. It's to do it because Because what else should we do? I mean, yes, we could do other things, but is that really how we want to go through this life, right? Mm. I mean, that's the question, yes. right? How do I want to be here, right? How, because as long as I think that I, I am unable I have good reasons to not be authentic. I will find reasons to not be authentic, everywhere and anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about now? What we have to ask that question. Why not now? Mm-hmm. Why not be authentic?
3: uh
8: I don't know. I I, uh, I feel like I made a a good enough step forward <laughs> in my understanding of Buddhism right now that I am not looking. To, uh, to answer that question at the moment, right? I've, I've answered enough questions for myself now.
0: Well, it's not as much as a, of a question as much, it is actually uh, not a question to be answered in that way. You know, it's like, yeah, why not now? Why the hell no? That's it. Mm, yeah. So I'm not asking you. <laughs> I'm saying, why not?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The, hell with the, the hell with the reasons. Of course, I have reasons. But so what? Right? I have reasons to not be authentic. But so what? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that that's a very important point. Thank you So yes, Vince, good morning.
9: I think the, the kind of funny thing about like not looking for something, mm-hmm. it's like not looking for the answer right now is that typically if you're really not looking, it kind of goes back to the no gift idea where it's almost like, I'm sure we've all had it where you can't find something that you're really looking for the whole day. You've been looking for it everywhere. You've even asked your mom, she doesn't even know where it is. You don't know where it is and and you keep looking for it because now you're frustrated. So you keep looking, you keep looking and the second you give up, it's right in front of you. And I think that, that kind of goes along with a lot of the nothing that we've been talking about. That really goes along with a lot of the, the no gift is a gift, because I think the second we let down our guard of what the, like, I I think when my dad was talking about the pen thing, I was like, well, that's funny. Why can't the pen be the art, right? Like literally be the art, become the art of Mm -hmm. what you normally do with the pen, which is make the art and so i don't know i just thought that i think that's a great place to be Sato. to be at the where i don't i don't know i don't want to answer right now and I don't, i'm not going to because why answer it almost because i think i'm good where i am now but being able to say i'm not looking for the answer is what's going to get you to the answer in in what i've found right because when you're not looking you find a lot more than what you were looking for
0: yes and also, that, that's very good. Thank you. And there's the other thing that he just, as you were speaking, I thought about uh, uh, that, that, you know, when we are not authentic, we are stingy. I think it's very important to make that connection that we are stingy with Buddhahood. We are disparaging the Buddha by not being authentic. We can never say it enough uh, or, or dive deep enough into that we are being stingy, and we have reasons to be stingy based on ourselves. so being authentic is sharing Buddhahood. How do we feel about that? Well we have about ten minutes actually you know what we, we, I was gonna go into chapter twenty five but I think what well, it seems that authenticity is a it's a good point to to stay with for a few more minutes, so we will uh end with that but um where are we at about that how do we understand the connection between stinginess and lack or or unwillingness to be authentic okay so how about uh good morning
5: I thought you were going to pick me. <laughs> <That's> good. Good <laughs> uh, no. taste. I think you think I know something about stinginess.
0: Or authenticity, so, authenticity. Or authenticity.
5: Uh, well, when there's authenticity, um, it's exhilarating for me.
0: Mm.
5: And, uh, it's fun. Um, a lot of this means that, uh, something else isn't there. It's like it's, um, shed. Mm-hmm. And, um, like there are all kinds of considerations that just aren't there, or if they are there, it's not important. And, uh, authenticity seems so much better Mm -hmm. or so much preferable. Um, yeah. It's interesting, it's uh, free. It's like a spring from somewhere that just comes through. Um, And I'm not quite sure why it gets shut down. I mean, I have ideas about that, but um, it's such a contrast to the other way of experiencing and being, which is uh, which I spend a lot of time in. So I guess that's
0: it. Exhilarating. That you said that at the beginning. That is a, yes, exhilarate. That's exactly what it is. Exhilarating, lighthearted uh open right there are many words that uh, describe that and uh why does it get shut down it's a habit that's all it is it's just a habit
5: sometimes i think it's a habit and sometimes i think it's something else like when i sit in zazen these days i've talked about this before that there is, it's like there is something that doesn't want me to settle. And um, this morning, when I started, I started more settled. Mm -hmm. And then this blah, 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 (laughs) uh, um, increased, which I thought was interesting because normally I think of it going the other way. You know, we start out kind of scattered or whatever and then we breathe and maybe we calm down Mm -hmm. Uh, but this was going the other way with no apparent necessity and um thinking about this thinking about that a certain different feeling tones excitement um complaining i don't know and yes, I could see that there was a habit aspect, which is an attachment to that,
6: mm-hmm.
5: like something wanting that mm-hmm. and not wanting to be settled, even though there was at the same time, a settled energy, which I could have tapped into more. Mm-hmm. So there's a habit aspect, but I can't help but wondering if there's also Something like fear, which is something that seems to me a little different from
0: habit. Well, fear can be habitual, right? And uh, there is it comes from the same place. But, you know, scattered mind or being scattered is also authentic. It's not that it's not authentic, you know. As long as we're okay with that and this is what comes out, is what comes out. It's not necessarily the other side of that. If we create something of that, and yeah, that can become, then we become bogged down by that. But authentic is authentic. This is what's going on right now. Scattered mind.
5: So for that to be okay, then it would be that, like we don't feel identified with it. Yes. Like, Okay, this is talking, Some something's talking, it's just talking.
0: And you allow it and to move. You allow things it
5: to move. That I, yeah, what?
0: You allow it to move.
5: Yeah. Right? I've been doing that a little.
0: Yeah. Okay.
5: I guess it's both. Yes. Like in between. Right. Like a complaint. But at the same time realizing there's nothing I can do about this, really.
0: Which may be true, so you leave it alone. But again, to to to, to, to use words like exhilarating, right? That means there is something there. There's something knows. There's something yes. knows lightheartedness. So thank you.
5: A puzzle why that isn't what is just chosen most of the time keep practicing because it's better for me and I think it's better for other people to are in my life
0: right and you're seeing it more and more just keep practicing you are seeing it more you are experiencing it more so there is that expansion and that is the direction so thank you okay we're going to wrap it up but uh, Mjogan you wanted to say something Yogan, you wanted to say something? No? Okay. Okay, anyone else? Uh, last chance before we wrap it up. Okay. Okay, well, thank you. It's been... Oh, oh Great, I didn't see your hand.
6: Just, um, just to emphasize what Daikyo said before, that um, all of these constructions, I mean, the, the everything in the world is all boundaries that we set through the language that we use and the concepts that we use and that authenticity i think is the, the the realization of something that um isn't defined or limited by all of those words and concepts and that that's why it's so um opening uh, and i mean when you keep talking about opportunities that's the moment of everything becomes opportunities uh, and um and upaya comes in because everything becomes useful i mean when we've got our concepts and words in place we know what's useful and what's not useful but in authenticity everything becomes useful anything can be used Uh, and it's not this closing down and it's um Mm -hmm. anything can be used because there's so much less of us at the middle of it sorting things out and making things uh they should be and all of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. um so it is extremely exciting um um unfortunately extremely rare uh but um is um um certainly this amazing experience um and um Mm -hmm. um yeah um thank you all
0: okay so exciting and exhilarating
6: that's, Absolutely. That's
0: good. That's, uh, this is a good way to end the discussion and uh, get out and do something today. Great. Thank you. So to be continued, next time we will uh, begin from Chapter 25.